Yes, 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 it is time for Therapy Thursday. Is anybody excited? Anybody be like, listen, I can't wait for Therapy Thursday because it helps me heal. It helps me become. It helps me not go off. It helps me be reminded that I'm a kingdom billboard. Welcome to Therapy Thursday. If this is your first time joining us, drop in the room. I'm a first timer. If you are a reoccurring participant in Therapy Thursday, regardless if it's myself or Isaac Curry, just we just thank you from the bottom of our heart that you allow us to serve you. We don't have to serve, we get to serve, and we are so honored to serve you week after week. And before we dive into our special announcement and before we dive into the content for um, today, you know how I like to do. Let's start an encouraging thread. Could you find somebody up and down the timeline and let them know congratulations for showing up for therapy? I do this each and every week because you don't know how much effort it takes for somebody to heal on the inside. And it's just that at John, at Timothy, whoever is watching this, that those encouraging words can help somebody to continue to fight on for another round as they are healing and becoming the whole version of themselves that God cosmically created for them to be. Congratulations. Thank you for showing up for Therapy Thursday. Now, this important announcement that I want to share with you, um, the last Thursday of this month, August the 31st, we are going to have a pop-up live Therapy Thursday. I can't wait. It's here in Houston, Texas at our local church, Thomas Celebration, a pop-up live Therapy Thursday, 7.30. My brother Isaac and I are coming together. We want to be able to wipe the tears. We want to be able to touch hands, to hug, and just encourage those that listen we really do get joy out of helping you heal so we're, we're striving to have food trucks there uh, we reached out to a few therapists to join us um, via vendor style so after therapy thursday is over you can actually go in the lobby and connect with some licensed therapists and i think it's going to be absolutely amazing if you can't make it to the building it is totally okay we still will be online but we just decided to do something different um, as we are swiftly approaching the latter part of the 2023 calendar year. Let's try to do one live. So hopefully we see you there. Thank you so much for everybody who's been giving. Uh, we have found a building and we're trying to raise funds for the closing cost. So thank you so much for everybody who's been giving. Now, I want to get to work because you're going to have homework on tonight. After this particular session, I'm going to give you an assignment. I'm explaining later why I want to do this. But um, I'm so passionate about this particular topic because as a leader, as a pastor, as a servant to the body, one of like one of the most common patterns I see in individuals who are traumatized, incarcerated by pain, are extremely wounded, is they all have big hearts. They all have big hearts. In fact, the fastest way to pollute someone who has a big heart is by allowing takers to have access to it. Did y'all hear what I just, we only been on here, what, four or five minutes? <laughs> I promise you the fastest way, this is just something that I've observed. This is like my own personal case study. The fastest way to pollute a big heart 
is by allowing takers. And when I say big heart, I mean those who have a generous heart, giving heart, loving heart. A fa the fastest way to pollute that is by allowing takers, narcissists, toxicity, dysfunction to have access to that person's heart. Because I'm just convinced your inner circle should be your stress reducer, not your stress causer. I articulated this several times and I just feel led to do so again. Having a big heart should not be one of our most dangerous qualities. Should not. Having a big heart should not be one of our most dangerous qualities. Therefore, when boundaries aren't voiced for the sake of keeping peace out here, out here, by default, it creates war in here. One more time. Boundaries that are not voiced for the sake of keeping peace out here, by default, creates war in here. And war in here, for the sake of keeping peace out here, is not a fair exchange. Is not a fair exchange. So th there are a few passages. There are a few passages of scriptures that I want us to consider. First, Jeremiah chapter thirty. Jeremiah chapter thirty, verse seventeen. The text says, "For I will restore health to you, and heal you of your wounds," says the Lord. So right here, we see that the Lord desires for us to have health external and internal and spiritual health. God desires for us to be healthy on the inside and the outside. Then the text says, I will heal your wounds. So God desires for us to have healing. We know that this is true because one of the chromosomes of the DNA of Jesus' earthly ministry was healing. Jesus constantly trafficked in healing healing the sick, healing the blind, healing the lame. He trafficked in healing. So God desires for you and I to heal. Somebody put in the room, heal, 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 heal. God desires for us to heal and he will restore health. Whatever took the healthy attributes from your heart, I will restore it back. Okay. If this be true, one of the ways that you and I can preserve that health or that healing that God did, is doing, or will do, is by the establishment of boundaries. Did y'all hear me? If God desires for us to have health on the inside, and God desires for us to heal, one of the ways we could preserve that health, preserve that healing that God did, God is currently doing, or he will do is by the establishment of boundaries. So th this, this next scripture is a very popular scripture in Christendom, but there's one particular part of this biblical passage that I think we often overlook and is low on the radar. And I want to dissect that with you. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, depending on your Christian journey, some of us already know it. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, it says, guard your heart. Keep your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, 
for out of it springs the issues of life. Hmm. Keep your heart. Guard your heart. The word that I want to emphasize and park on for the remainder of the time that we have together on this particular Therapy Thursday is the word diligence. Can I get somebody to put diligence in the room? Diligence, diligence, diligence. Okay, diligence and guarding your heart, that's your part. So my responsibility is to guard. And I'm not supposed to just guard, I'm supposed to guard it with diligence. That is your responsibility for you to guard your heart with diligence because diligence is the passport for results. Talk. Diligence is the passport for results. Therefore, what if I were to tell you that sometimes the miracle is tied to the principle of diligence being activated? <laughs> It's so good. Y'all got to excuse me. It's hot in Houston, Texas. It's like 105 here, but I just want y'all to get this. Diligence is the passport. It is the passport to results. And what if we have overlooked what we desire a miracle in is actually a principle. And that principle is diligence. God, I, I, I just want, I want more revenue. If I had more revenue, if I had more wealth, I could do more. And God's like, okay, how diligent are you with recording the video? Uh-oh. How diligent are you with recording the podcast? How diligent are you with beating your craft? How diligent are you with being excellent with what you do? Because excellence separates. Diligence is the passport to results. Diligence is tied to the outcome. Maybe, maybe the wealth and well-being of your marriage is not just tied to your reading the five love languages. Maybe it's also tied to you being diligent with honoring your husband. See, see, diligent with honoring your wife, diligent with not keeping a record of wrongs, diligent with extending grace because diligence is the passport to results. Diligence is tied to the outcome. What if the evolution to your spiritual becoming and your spiritual growth is tied to your diligence with prayer, your diligence with seeking Jesus, your diligence with sermon listening? Are you looking for a miracle when all you need is a principle of diligence. I want to put my foot on the gas and really, really push this. I researched this. Diligence in the Hebrew is hatamada. Hatamada. H-A-T-M-A-D-A-H. Hatamada. And hatamada means to toil, persevere, or establish with commitment. This is powerful. Hatamada. It's diligence in the Hebrew. Guard your heart with all hatamada. Keep your heart with all hatamada. Keep your heart with toiling, with, with persevering and preserving by establishing a commitment. What is that commitment? Your commitment with your boundaries. Talk. Your commitment with your boundaries. I need you to be diligent. Hatamada. 
establish boundaries and be committed to them. Be committed to them. Hear me. Guarding your heart is your job and my job. Being diligent with it is your job and my job. Healing and God restoring your health, that's his job. <laughs> the guarding part, that's you. That's me. The hatamada, the diligence part, that's you. That's me. Guard your heart with all diligence. And I believe we've been preaching the guarding part, but have been under teaching the diligence part. Let's speak around this thought from this subject for just a few moments on this Therapy Thursday. Never apologize for having boundaries. Never apologize for having boundaries. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to establish kingdom boundaries, not boundaries made out of paranoia of being hurt again, but boundaries that ensure what springs from our heart is healthy and not venomous. We're asking that you help us do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get everybody to put this confession in the room? I want everybody to put this in the room in all caps. This is going to be so good, y'all. Let's put this in the room in all caps. Can I get us to say, Father, help me to be diligent with guarding my heart. I want health on the inside. One more time, all caps, everybody. I'll wait. I'll wait. This is, this is a prayer that somebody needs to pray out loud, personally, maybe even put it on your wall. Father, help me to be diligent with guarding my heart. I want health on the inside, on the inside, on the inside. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. For out of it springs the issues of life. Guarding your heart is your job and my job. Being diligent, hatamada, that's your job and my job. Restoring health to us, that's God's job. But we have to be diligent with doing our part. Do the work of being diligent. And you have to be diligent with being committed to your boundaries, 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 boundaries. Boundaries are the investment we make to ensure that toxicity does not vandalize our peace. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Boundaries ensure that when we say yes to others, we are not saying no to our mental health. Oh, this is good. Boundaries, 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 protect that which you value. Did y'all hear what I just said? Boundaries protect that which you value. So if you value peace, boundaries protect that. If you value sweet sleep, <laughs> boundaries protect that. If you if you value a healthy atmosphere in your home, because I can't control all the atmospheres at, at, at work and, 
you know, different, different grocery stores I go to to shop. I can't control those atmospheres. But my home, if you value a healthy atmosphere in your home, boundaries help you protect that. Because boundaries protect that which is valuable to you. Okay? I want to be transparent and translucent on this next part. Boundaries may need to be edited depending on the season you're in. This is so good. Your boundaries, like the boundaries that you had in 2021, they might need to be edited in 2023 depending on what season you're in spiritually. So if I could be transparent, um, right now I am in a season of spiritual warfare. We're trying to get land. Getting land is a war move. Anytime in scripture you would see them battle for land, they had to fight. I am facing spiritual warfare right now. So Jerry's boundaries are a little thick. <laughs> My boundaries right now are a little thick because I don't need anything else in my life adding to the warfare I'm already in because boundaries sometimes need to be edited depending on the season that you are in and anybody who throws a temper tantrum due to your boundary is confirmation on why you need them I need to say that one more time boundaries might need to be edited depending on the season that you're in and anybody who throws a temper tantrum due to you having boundaries or confirmation on why you need that boundary. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. I thought you loved me. I, I, th I thought we were boys. Okay, I need us to understand that boundaries don't have anything to do with your love for them or their love for you. Boundaries have to do with your love for peace and you being able to guard your heart with diligence. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. The reason I wanted to say that is because I believe oftentimes we confuse the establishment of boundaries as trying to get somebody to understand your value or you're, you, you're establishing these boundaries for their behavior to change. Negative. This boundary is for my spiritual, mental, and emotional health so that what springs from my heart is healthy not venomous because when pain is at the mic in your soul it affects the way you hear and the way you see talk holy spirit i'm not establishing this boundary to remind you of what i'm worth i'm not establishing this boundary until you change this boundary is due to protecting my ability so that what's springing from my heart can be healthy, not venomous. And this is also protecting my ability to hear God. Because when pain is at the mic in your soul, it affects how you hear and how you see. Talk. So you hear rejection from accountability. Did y'all catch that? Did you catch that? You hear them rejecting you from somebody holding you accountable. Why? Because when pain is at the mic in your soul, it will affect how you hear and how you see. You hear you're not enough 
from somebody who tells you you should re-record that. Mm, you need to edit that. I think you should practice that again, bro. I, I think you should do that again, sis. Hey, you want to start going with me to the gym? You hear you're not enough versus hearing somebody loving you and trying to hold you accountable because that's what pain does. When pain, trauma, and insecurity is at the mic in your soul, it will twist the way you hear and the way you see. And all I'm simply suggesting on tonight is boundaries are the diligent step that we could make to avoid pain that does not have permission to be at the mic within. That's it. That's it. You having boundaries is making sure that pain does not have access to your internal microphone to where the way you move is because of pain. The way you think is because of pain. The way you respond is because of pain. Boundaries protect that which you really value. Now, I understand that this could be it could almost be a bittersweet, if you will. Boundaries can be a, bitter, a bittersweet. Now, I want to explain why. It's bitter to those who are now getting wet from storms they created. But it's sweet for the individual who is no longer their umbrella. <laughs> I don't want to see you go through that storm. It's bitter. But it's sweet because I no longer have to get wet from storms I didn't create. And here, here's, here's the curveball to it. Sometimes it's difficult to unlearn how to stop being an umbrella. This is so good, Torrance. Sometimes the greatest difficulty many of us face is unlearning being their umbrella. You've always been an umbrella for your brother. You've always been an umbrella for mama. You've always been an umbrella for your boss, okay? And so now the reason they're so upset at you, the reason they're giving you so much neck and they're grabbing so much air is because they're getting wet from storms they created. They just didn't know they created it because you were their umbrella. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. So I, I want to give us some healthy explanations versus unhealthy explanations of how you would explain a boundary to somebody. Because just because you're establishing a boundary does not mean you throw Christianity out the window. Like even when you explain your boundary to others, it still should be submerged in the love of Jesus versus you blaming them. Okay, so I wanna give us some examples. Okay, so here are some unhealthy and healthy examples of explaining your 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 boundaries number one unhealthy example you have too many problems lose my number <laughs> somebody like pastor that's me okay that's a unhealthy way of explaining a boundary you have too many problems lose my number here's a healthy explanation i understand that you're upset but I no longer will allow my heart to be your punching bag while you decompress. Healthy versus unhealthy. More example, unhealthy. You can't do anything for yourself, can you? I'm not your maid. All right, so a kind answer turns away wrath. Talking like that, it, it, that's not going to have them 
understand your boundary. I'm not your mate. Okay, here's a healthy way of explaining it. Moving forward, due to my schedule, I can't commit to that request. <laughs> I'm saying the exact same thing, but submerged with love and submerged with I am a believer, but just because I'm a believer does not mean I can't say no. You can be Christ-like and still say no. And that is not you being mean. That's you exercising hatamada, diligence with guarding your heart. Give you another example. Try me one more time. <laughs> Try me one more time. And I promise you, I'm done. I'm done. I am done. One more time. Some of us say one more again. One more again, and I'm done. That is an unhealthy explanation. A healthy explanation is, unfortunately, you won't be able to stay at my house this year for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. There's some personal needs I'm working on. I'm saying the exact same thing, but I'm remembering that a kind answer turns away wrath. Some people won't, they, they won't understand it. They won't respect it. That's not your job, but it is your job to remain Christ-like in all situations. And I do want us to understand this for, for those who are establishing uh, boundaries. I do, I do want us to remember these three things so that we can have grace for the individuals that we are establishing boundaries either against or we're establishing boundaries because this season of my life, I just, I just have to heal. I need clarity. So my boundaries are a little thick. I think we need to remember this. Number one, most people aren't trying to intentionally violate them. They're, they're just not used to you having them. When it comes to your boundaries, I, I really do believe most people aren't intentionally trying to violate your boundaries. It's just most people aren't used to you having them. Now, there are people who are toxic and your boundaries will expose that. And like I articulated before, anybody who throws a temper tantrum due to your boundary is usually confirmation on why you needed it. Okay. But I think we need to understand that oftentimes they're just not used to this version of you. They're just not used to you being, not being their umbrella. They're not used to you being diligent with guarding your heart. And so their response may reflect that. And I want us to remember that, that everybody's not trying to violate you. They're just not used to this version of you and you establishing boundaries. Number two, the way you communicate boundaries should be smothered in love, not blame. Pastor, you don't know my mama. You don't know my ex-pastor. I'm not saying that I understand the person who hurt you, but I am saying I understand what blaming will do in you. When I'm communicating my boundaries, it's more about, it's more about me exercising hatamada, me being able to hear heaven, and me valuing what they don't. I value peace. They don't. I value understanding. They don't. I value functional, they don't. And it's not my responsibility to get them to. Number three, their resistance might be the fear of losing you versus a desire to overthrow your boundary. So it may be they're scared of losing you as a person. Depending on the situation, 
I'm not, I'm not saying that you lost me, but I am saying I'm losing me. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that you lost me, but I am losing me. So this boundary is for me to discover the me that God wants me to be versus the me that I became due to that. This is good. So the reason I wanted to do this, this is going to be the homework assignment, is because I actually did um, a message with my wife almost two years ago. I think it was a year and a half ago about boundaries. And somebody stated that boundaries were cultural and they're not biblical. I said, okay. Um, I always wonder when people say things or, or, or comment is that coming from your feelings or from your research? <laughs> I always ask when I talk to a person, they say, well, I feel, I said, okay, is your feelings factual or is your feeling based from how you're currently thinking? Because feelings aren't always facts. Don't believe everything, you're, don't believe everything you think. Your feelings can lie to you. So is it possible that you learn bad doctrine, which made you believe that being Christ-like is having a overall universal yes to everything? If so, I want to show you in the Bible, once again, I want to show you that even Jesus had boundaries. Okay, so I want us to show us. I want to show you these passages of scripture for the purpose of showing that this is biblical, that you can be Christ-like, you can be a believer, you can be sold out, you can say no and still love Jesus with your whole heart and reflect the kingdom with excellence. Okay, so Mark chapter 6, verse 41, it says, Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Can I get somebody to put in the room thousands? Thousands, 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 okay? Thousands, that's the first passage of scripture. Second, Luke chapter 10, verse one. And two, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. All right. Now, somebody put in the room 72. So we have thousand. We have thousands. We have 72. All right. Luke chapter 6, verse 13. When morning came, he, speaking of Jesus, called his 12, called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. All right. So somebody put 12 in the room. We have thousands. We have 72. We have 12. All right. Last two verses. Last two passages of scripture. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. After about eight days, after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James, John, Peter, James, John, uno, dos, 
Dres with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as flashing of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, which represents the law and the prophets, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Now, everybody put three in the room. <laughs> Some of us may already get it. Peter, James, John, okay? Last passage of scripture, Mark chapter 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. Uno, dos, tres. Okay, he, put, he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. All right, so we have thousands, we have 72, we have 12, we have three. Jesus is showing us the brilliance of relational management. He is showing us the brilliance of boundaries. You don't allow the thousands to have 72 access. You don't allow the thousand to have three access. When Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration, when he transformed himself, he only had Peter, James, and John. There are only certain people in my life who could handle my next level. There are only, ooh, there are only certain individuals who could handle what God is going to do in my life on the mountaintop he didn't take the thousands there he didn't take the 72 there he took the three there we get hurt when we cannot discern the thousands from the three and so we end up sharing look look mark chapter 14 when he was overwhelmed to the point of death he didn't say that to the thousands he said it to peter james and john his three are you sharing your overwhelmed to the point of death moments with the 72 with the 12 or with the thousand and then i begin to wonder okay jesus selected 12 disciples when he went up to the mount of transfiguration he took three and left nine in the valley how did the nine feel let me see does the text tell us the text never tells us how the nine felt being left in the valley because it's not your responsibility to be concerned about how others feel about your boundaries. <laughs> he is showing us the brilliance of boundaries. So points one, two, three, and four, they're going to be a homework assignment. Point one is thousands. Point two is 72. Point three is 12. Point four is three. Okay, what is a thousands? That's social media. I am not going to get on here right now and share with you three vulnerabilities. Stop taking your issues to the phone, take it to the throne or your three. I could tell my three, I'm overwhelmed. I could tell my three, man, I feel sorrowful. I could tell my three, man, I don't think that was a good sermon. I don't know. That's reserved for my three, not my thousands. When you can't discern your three from your thousands, you will end up adding to the warfare you're in 
because you're bleeding with the 72, the thousand, and not the three. Why didn't he take all 12 to the mountaintop? Because Judas is in the 12. <laughs> the one who is going to betray me is in the 12. Thousands, that social media, people you speak to, people you work with, people at grocery stores, those are the thousands. 72, those are the individuals you work with. We serve in ministry together. We serve in community together. You're an employee just like me. That's 72. Just because we work together does not mean you have access to my heart. That's not you being mean. That's hatamada. You being diligent with your boundaries. Hatamada. To toil, preserve, or persevere. Establish with commitment. That's your 72. Your 12, these are the ones you're a little close with. You're kind of close with, but out of the 12, you still have three. And here's the thing. Just because we're blood does not mean you're my three. Just because we have history does not mean you're my three. Your three are the individuals who are instrumental in you becoming more Christ-like. Your three are the ones who won't judge you when you have vulnerable moments. Your three are the ones that could understand you're having a bad moment, but you're not a bad person. Those are your three. See, and if I share my bad moments on social media or right now for Therapy Thursday with the thousands, they'll can, they can label me as a bad person because they're not my three. My three know I'm human. Here it is. My three see Clark Kent while everybody else may see Superman. My, my three see Peter Parker. Why everybody else see, see Spider-Man. That, that's your hero. My three see Bruce Wayne. Everybody else sees Batman. That, that's my three. So this is your assignment. I want you to literally write down who are your thousands. Everybody has them because that's just people that you don't know. Social media. Who are your 72 people you work with, do ministry with? Who is your 12? And who's your three? Now, for anybody like, <laughs> I don't even have three. Three is not just symbolic of a number. It's symbolic of those that you can share high moments with and those that you can share your low moments with. And you have to have one. You have to have one. Because every time God calls you to do a great task, you're going to need somebody to be able to tell this hurts. And if you don't have anybody, it could be because you've confused a boundary with a wall. This message is not designed to, to get you to feel confirmed with walling yourself or for you to be in this cozy echo chamber because you cut everybody off and the only sound of echoes that you hear is because you're alone. No. This particular session is to remind you if you're going to be a giver in a world full of takers, you're going to need boundaries. You're going to need to be able to guard your heart with diligence. Hatamata. You have to establish boundaries because takers don't. You have to be able to recognize when your cup is running on E because straws don't. 
and for the well-being and welfare of your heart health. Because remember, we read it, Jeremiah 30. God desires for us to have health. He wants to restore the health. He wants to heal our wounds. But the way we could preserve what God did, what he's doing, or what he will do, is by the establishment of boundaries. God, help us to maintain hearts that are filled with kingdom, hearts that are filled with love, hearts that are filled with generosity, and help us to forgive and release any and everything that has polluted our hearts to where we have walled ourselves from anybody because we feel as though I'm trying to protect the parts of me I have left. Help us to remember, pain builds walls, but healing builds doors. And you desire to restore health to us and heal our wounds. We're asking that you heal us and we will be diligent with guarding the heart that you healed and our healing. In Jesus' name, amen.